How's it going? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Elemental Evan Show. Today I've got a great episode for our, everybody. It's going to be covering health guidelines for a modern world. So today we're going to be covering some rather basic health concepts that you might already know about, or maybe there's a lot in here that you don't already know about. But really what I want to do is I want to take a lot of the health principles that are really just regarded as truth and cover them in depth so you have a better idea of where to start. So I know there's a lot of conflicting health um, advice out there in the world right now regarding the different diets that you could do, whether you want to go vegan or whether you want to go carnivore. I mean, there's all different spectrums that you can go, but there are also a lot of core principles that really everybody can agree on and it's a great way for you to get started and it's a good introduction into health and your health journey overall. So to start off the show, we've got water. Water is obviously incredibly important. It makes up life here on earth and it does the same in your body. So just to give you an idea, we are made up of roughly 60% water according to the United States Geological Survey, and so this is for an adult human. Now, this can vary. It can be down into about 55% and upwards of 70%. This is going to depend largely on your age, your sex, what you do in your day-to-day life. Uh, There's a lot of factors that are going to uh, attribute to this. However, overall, we are roughly 60% water. So that's over half of your body weight is water, basically. So... Really, let's get into what water does in your body. So, for example, water is absolutely necessary for the maintenance and structure of your DNA. So, down to your DNA at that level, you are being affected by how much water and what kind of water you're drinking. Now, then you also have your blood, which is uh, roughly 90% water your lymphatic system, which is based on water, and that's going to deal with a lot of drainage of a lot of toxins in your body. Uh, This also deals with proper digestion. So if you're dealing with things such as maybe a little bit of a backup, this is going to be what you need is a little bit of water. Um, As well as uh, synovial fluid. So that is uh, the fluid in your joints and also the cerebral spinal fluid. So those are just a few examples of what water is used for in your body. And obviously there's many other things. But with that being said, according to the New York Hospital of Cornell Medical Science or of Medical Center, 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. That's a lot of people. Uh, What, about 360 million people here in the United States and 75% of them are chronically dehydrated. That's really, really scary. Um, I know for myself personally, I never really put too much mind into water and really how important it was to be taking in on a daily basis and in really not large, large quantities, but adequate quantities. So 
really, uh, that's gonna lead me to my next point, which is how much water should you be drinking per day? Now, you're gonna get a few different answers on this one, but overall, the best way to do it is you take your body weight, you divide it in half, and then that is the amount of ounces you should be drinking per day. Uh, I have a bit of a caveat to that because I feel that, you know, as let's say you're 200 pounds, that means divide that in half, that's 100. So now you have 100 ounces that you're supposed to be drinking a day. That's a lot of water. Um, now, if it was a hot day, you're outside and you're working out, absolutely, you're probably going to drink that water without even thinking about it. But if you're working at a desk or you're having a very, um, just an easy day, you really do not probably need that much water. Um, actually gauging how much water you need by the color of your urine is also a really good method to use. Um, obviously, the darker the color of the urine, the more dehydrated you are, and the clearer, the more hydrated you are. Um, so that's a good method to use to gauge that. Now, on the note of dehydration, it is also shown that dehydration can slow your metabolism. Now, metabolism is the process by which your body converts what you eat and drink into energy. So basically what's that, what that's saying is if you're slowing down your metabolism, you're kind of taking yourself out of that burning state where you're using that energy and, and possibly even burning fat for that matter uh, be, because your body's being used for other resources uh, to compensate for the dehydration. Um, one thing that's really crazy is that your body as you become dehydrated, will release a hormone called the antidiuretic hormone, or the ADH, uh, which allows the kidneys to become permeable and allow fluid back into the body, which is basically allowing pee that hasn't fully become pee back into the body. It's really, really crazy that your body is actually able to do that, which is a really amazing process because the body is so adaptable and it's going to make sure that you survive regardless of what you're going through at that current moment in time but it's really crazy to think that you might have levels of pre-pee in your blood which is super odd but uh yeah basically it's a very easy fix just drink more water um so on that note the best thing to do is when you wake up in the morning um have have some water uh even if it's just 12 ounces of water just drink some water and uh, this will make a huge change, especially for people who have a lot of headaches and migraines. Not saying this is totally going to fix your headaches and migraines, but a lot of the times we get these minor headaches from levels of dehydration. So if you are feeling a little bit of a headache coming on, try drinking some water, maybe 12 or 24 ounces of water, uh, or even a little more maybe. Um, you can sprinkle a little bit of a high quality salt, like pink Himalayan sea salt, and just, just a little bit. Don't, you don't need to drink salt water here. Um, but just to provide, uh, some trace minerals into your body because, uh, pink Him Himalayan sea salt has somewhere around 84 trace minerals in it. Um, so it's just a good method to do. Okay. So that was our first one is increase your water consumption. Now, moving on to number two, we have exercise a minimum of 30 minutes a day. So the 30 minutes came from the CDC website, which is actually their standard that they use. And that just basically says that you should be exercising for a minimum of 30 minutes a day of moderate intensity exercise. That means brisk walking. So they are literally telling you minimum, just walk 30 minutes a day. 
Now, this sounds super simple and yeah, of course, easy. Yeah, no problem. But on the CDC website, they also state that on average, only one in five adults are actually achieving this amount of exercise per day. So one fifth of all American adults are actually achieving the 30 minute brisk walk. That's insane. Uh, it's just really hard to wrap my mind around, especially being that I come from a sports background and, you know, I had two a days in football and wrestling and just different sports. You know, it's, it was, uh, really was a part of my life. And now I really do understand how easy it is to live a very sedentary lifestyle because you are just commuting to work and you're spending your time taking care of your kids or uh, maybe just working on another side hustle that you have going on. So there are, there's a lot of reasons why you might not find yourself outside getting in the physical exercise you need. Um, and maybe this is just preaching to the choir. Maybe there's a lot of you who, uh, well, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably exercise at least 30 minutes a day. But if you don't, it's that simple. Just get outside and exercise for at least 30 minutes. And that can truly just be a 30 minute walk. Now, on that note, just to give some statistics, um, there was a uh, uh, study done by researchers at uh, Harvard Medical School where they took women who walked at least 30 minutes a day and they found that their risk of diabetes decreased by 30% just from that 30 minute walk per day. Uh, research is also finding that a sedentary lifestyle or a lack of exercise is linked to serious illnesses such as heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and colon and lung cancer. Just from living a sedentary lifestyle. Which, if you think about it, kind of makes sense because we as human beings have evolved to do very physical exercise and activities on the daily. Uh, if you went back 100 or 200 years, there really wasn't the option to sit behind a desk on a computer or just live a very sedentary lifestyle unless you just truly couldn't move due to an injury or something. So it's only been, you know, about maybe the 30 to 40, like last 30 or 40 years where we've really been able to have sedentary lifestyles where it requires us to work eight hours a day at a desk job or something like that, which not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, you need to make your money, of course, but finding ways to fill in those gaps of time where you have basically just been sitting for eight hours a day, it's really good to include at least a 30 minute walk to try to mix things up. And as shown here, decrease your risk of diabetes by 30%, as well as a slew of a ton of different serious illnesses and disease diseases. So, uh, so that's number two is exercise a minimum of 30 minutes. So we've got more water, drink, uh, drink more water and exercise a 30 minimum of 30 minutes. On to number three, this is probably pretty obvious for you guys, unless maybe you're on the carnivore diet or something, but, uh, it's just eat more fruits and veggies. So it's very simple and very obvious yet. A lot of us don't do it. Um, but just to give an, I give reasons to eat more fruits and veggies. Um, here we can see that they contain tons of vitamins, minerals, antioxidants that promote your overall health. Uh, fruits and vegetables contain polyphenols, which are a plant compound, and they uh, are what give the veggies and fruits their vibrant colors. Uh, so these polyphenols are responsible for fighting aging, 
feeding your gut, so the good gut bacteria, protecting your heart health, managing blood sugar, keeping weight in check, and fighting, inflama fighting inflammation and pain. All of those just from polyphenols. And polyphenols are found in practically any fruit and vegetable you can think of. It's also found in coffee and tea, uh, different things like that. But really what you wanna do as well is you wanna diversify the amount of fruits and veggies that you're eating to diversify the bacteria that you're receiving from each fruit and vegetable, which will in turn diversify your microbiome, which is really important because the more good gut bacteria you have in there, the better the strength and overall health of your gut is going to be. Um, so really try to try to cook and eat those veggies and fruits that maybe you aren't used to eating or used to cooking with. Uh, go ahead and give them a try and try to increase the diversity in the fruits and vegetables that you eat. Uh, also, a good rule of thumb is to uh, go to farmers market, go to farmers markets. So if you have farmers markets around you, definitely go check them out. They're always going to be fresh and local produce. Uh, yeah, they might not always be organic, but at least they are in season, which is really huge because we tend to eat fruits and vegetables that aren't even close to being in season, but it's because we can import them. Uh, and really what this is doing is a, it's also, it's, you know, it's going to hurt the environment because it's going to take a lot of energy to transport that produce. But on top of that, your body actually goes in cycles with the season. So when it's summertime by you, uh, and I'm from North America, so uh, going, going in the summertime here, like June, July, somewhere around there, you're getting a lot of fruits and veggies coming in, or, uh, well, yeah, fruits and veggies, but especially, you know, we get peaches or cherries and, and these fruits that are really uh, quite sugary, but our bodies are realizing that it is summertime, the days are longer, we're getting more exposure to that sunlight, and our bodies are better adapted to processing these sugars and digesting these fruits. So really, uh, eating a farmer's market diet kind of is really good because you stay in season and you eat the foods that are meant to be eaten during that time. So on to the next. Uh, I also have a study here that says, and this one came out of the United Kingdom, found that people who eat at least seven servings of vegetables and some fruits every day have decreased mortality rates from all causes by 24% and decreases in cancer by 33% just from eating fruits and vegetables. Cannot stress how important that is. Get your greens in. Eat, eat the rainbow. Eat the rainbow. Um, on that note as well, a really, really good, um, a good tool to use while you're shopping is the Dirty Dozens list. It's produced by a group called the Environmental Working Group. I'll go ahead and link the, the, uh, the website in the show notes. And what they do is they take the top 12 uh, vegetables and fruits that are the most sprayed by herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, any of those kinds of things. And uh, they tell you which ones are the worst ones to buy non-organic. Um, so... It's really good to avoid those ones, but then as well, they have a clean 15 where they show the top 15 fruits and vegetables that are the least sprayed. Uh, I really like using this in case you are on a budget uh, and, and you're not able to afford certain uh, fruits and vegetables as organic, then this is a really good method to use. Uh, also on that note, 
uh, avocados tend to be on the clean 15, and then bad boys, you know, they'd be running the running the bill up. So don't always have to buy those organic if you don't want to, but also good to buy them organic. Okay, so that was the third one, uh, what, which was eat more fruits and veggies. And now on to number four, which is decrease the fast food intake, which is, I mean, should really be obvious at this point in time. I get it. It's tasty. It's super delicious. I get it. I get it. But there's a reason it's tasty. So here's the deal. Fast food is high in preservatives, odd chemicals, and bad oils. So some of these are MSG, monosodium glutamate, flavor enhancer. We all know of this one already. And yes, there's a slew of issues that come with it. Uh, artificial colors, hydrogenated soybean oils, artificial flavors, dimethylpolysiloxane. I hope I said that right, chemists out there, um, which is used as a filler fluid in breast implants until it was phased out due to safety concerns. That's crazy. Uh, calcium disodium EDTA, preservative made from formaldehyde, sodium cyanide, and ethylene diamine. Uh, these are just to give you a few, obviously there's many more, but yes, these are all things that you want to avoid and really just the most basic thing you can do is look at a food label and if you can't pronounce or you don't know what something is in the ingredient list, it's probably not very good for you and is something that you should avoid. So uh, on that note as well, the quality of food that you're getting at a fast food place is tends to be a low quality food. And if you think about it, when you're buying a cheeseburger off of a dollar menu, but yet you go to the store and an avocado costs a dollar? That's crazy, that's a crazy comparison. How is that even possible? How, how can you buy a burger which has buns, cheese, uh, meat from, you know, ground beef from a cow, possibly pickles and blah, 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 right? For a dollar. But yet you go and you buy one piece of produce for one dollar as well. So really you have to kind of think about it. Like I, I understand that there are, uh, you know, there are government subsidies that go on to help with those foods and make them more affordable. But really at the end of the day, you are buying a lower quality food, which you have to remember what you eat is what you are. You are what you eat, right? So when you're eating lower quality food, you can expect lower quality performance out of your body. Um, also, this should be extremely obvious as well, but fast food is linked with weight gain. Uh, I'm not even going to bother really getting into this. There are tons of studies you can go find, but if you just want a quick thing to watch and you haven't already seen this is just go watch Supersize Me and, and you will, you'll understand what, what the issue is with weight gain and just overall well-being is, uh, from eating purely fast food. Okay. Uh, on that note as well, fast food tends to be really, really high in sugar, uh, and as well, bad oils, but the sugar issue is going to have definitely its own episode in the future, so I'm not even going to bother getting into it right now, but just know that added sugar is not a good thing, and you definitely should be trying to avoid that. Okay, so that was number four, so decreasing the fast food intake. Now, this one is going to be very important, and this is something that has made a huge difference for myself. 
and that is watching the times that you eat. So, as a rule of thumb, the best thing you want to do is you want to stop eating a minimum of 90 minutes before you go to bed, and then upon waking up, wait an hour before eating. That's just general rule of thumb. If you can do that, that is going to make a huge difference. Um, so the reason for this is when you eat all the way up to the point of going to bed, your body is not able to digest that food completely. Uh, if you literally are snacking on something and then you just hit the bed, that food's going to sit in your stomach all night and just kind of like ferment in there, uh, which can definitely lead to bloating the next morning and just kind of a groggy feeling. Um, and then as far as when you're waking up in the morning, uh, you have a spike in cortisol, which is basically helping you to get up and wake up. And that's great. You know, this is a natural uh, part of the body. It, it, it just does this on its own every single time. You have a spike in, in, uh, in cortisol in the morning. But cortisol is also going to help with storing some of that food right in the morning as fat for later in the day because it's trying to allow you to have, you know, uh, energy reserves for later in the day. So really just avoiding that first, even if it's just 30 minutes, that would be great. But if you can do the first hour, that's even better. So avoiding those two times is really, really key. And you will notice big differences if you are a person who's eating really late at night or eating first thing in the morning. Um, for myself personally, eating late at night was something that, you know, I didn't really put much mind to, but it, it definitely happened. And a lot of the times I would wake up with uh, stomach issues where, uh, you know, it would literally wake me up in the middle of the night. So for me personally, this was huge. And as well for my dad, who had really, really bad issues with heartburn, uh, he would actually wake up in the middle of the night and sometimes have to go out and throw up just because he was eating so late at night and eating foods that were causing some serious heartburn for him. Uh, so uh, one of the biggest changes he actually made was he doesn't eat anything at least three hours before bed and he has zero heartburn at the moment. Uh, he has also made some dietary changes as well, but even with those dietary changes, when he was eating late at night, he was still having heartburn. So this is a really, really big one, especially if you do have heartburn, give this a try. Okay, on to the next one. We've got mindfulness or meditation, your choice. So, first off, the reason mindfulness and meditation are so important is just because we live in a world right now where people are so stressed and it's really due to so many things, but at the end of it, really, we have coronavirus going on which is kind of coming to an end now, but that was definitely adding a whole different slew of stressors. But we also are super wired to our mobile devices and we live lives where we have a lot going on and a lot of things to worry about that didn't exist 100 to 200 years ago. So we are naturally going to be much more stressed out in our day-to-day -day lives. Now, the best way to combat stress is truly meditation and mindfulness. Uh, there's many, many studies that I am not going to cite here because I'll probably cover those as well in a future episode, but meditation and mindfulness are the number one thing to combating stress. So if you 
have kind of an issue with meditation, it could be for any reason, that's okay. Um, mindfulness is a form of meditation that I think is a lot more digestible for people, and uh, there's something that I'll cover. So I'm going to give you a little example of meditation as well as mindfulness. Also on that note, before I go any further, meditation has also been shown to increase telomeres, which are used to determine a person's biological age. So you, you know, for me, for example, I'm 27. But if you were to look at my telomeres, you could see my biological age, which could be younger or could be older uh, than your actual, you know, chronological age. And they have been shown, there are, there are studies that show that through meditation, you are actually able to increase your telomere length, meaning basically your biological age, you can become younger in a sense. Um, so yeah, if it's not worth it just for that, then I don't know what is, but uh on that note, so when with meditation, uh, there's many, many different roads you can go with this. But the most basic ones are you can go onto YouTube and find a guided meditation. There's tons of them out there, and there's some really, really good ones. Um, you can listen to some Tibetan singing bowls, uh, you know, and just and just kind of zone out. Uh, however, in general, a good, quick meditation is just one where you simply sit down, close your eyes, and try to just follow your breath. Because your breath is one of those things that is going to happen on its own, because obviously you need it for, for, for life. Um, but it is also something that you can directly control and alter. So uh, when you find your mind wandering a lot and just going from thought to thought to thought, it's nice to kind of retract and step away from those thoughts. Remember that you don't have to actually engage in those thoughts and try to find some peace, some peace in between the thoughts. And a good way to do that is just to follow the breath from a inhale to an exhale. And even if you want to count with it and do kind of a box breathing, that's fine as well. It'll, it's really good at uh, capturing your attention. So, you know, uh, box breathing would be inhaling for the count of five, holding for the count of five, exhaling for the count of five, and then holding for the count of five, and then repeating that. Uh, now, mindfulness, on the other hand, is basically just bringing your awareness to the present moment. So this can truly be anything. Um, it could be enjoying your cup of coffee in the morning. It could be a walk. It could be, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many, just anything really is, what you're trying to do is you're trying to bring your attention to the current moment. So let's let's take the coffee, for example. When you're drinking coffee in the morning or tea or whatever you want to drink in the morning, try to focus on the flavors. What what flavors are you experiencing? What's the temperature of the drink? Uh, what is the cup that you're holding feel like? What's the weather like around you? Uh, you know, look at the sky and, and really just bringing your attention to that present moment uh, this really helps with stress and relaxing the nervous system. And uh, once again, as well, try to focus on your breath. This is uh, really good for just calming the mind and bringing it into the present moment. Um, and it really, really does help with people who have a lot of stress or anxiety, uh, just trying to do a little bit of mindfulness or meditation. Uh, it definitely can't hurt you. So feel free to give these a try. Uh, I'm sure I'll be covering more of these in the future, so uh, stay tuned, but definitely check those out. So that was our, 
Uh, that was our next one, and we have one, two, two more left. All right, so I'm gonna recap. So we've got increase your water consumption, exercise a minimum of 30 minutes a day, eat more fruits and veggies, decrease your fast food intake, watch the times you're eating at, mindfulness and mindfulness and meditation, and then on to the second to last one, we have better relationships. So this is something that is really so important. It's right up there with water, actually. Um, just to give you an example, there was a study done by the Harvard School of Health and Medicine where they tracked 268 students for almost 80 years. Okay, this was beginning back in 1938. They found that all things aside, money, housing, diet, any, any other factor, the biggest link associated with longevity or a long life was a person's relationships. And it wasn't just any relationship. This is really close relationships. So uh, someone that you truly care for and that person truly cares for you back. That's not to say it's not good to just have relationships in general, but having really meaningful relationships are huge. Someone that you can grow with, expand with, someone that you can talk to and share your ideas and, and rely on and, and you know unload to if you're going through something. Uh, it's truly so important. And just to give you another example of how important relationships are, they, uh, they use a few criteria to explain what the blue zones are. And uh, a blue zone, for example, is an area, a geographical area where there's a community of people who have abnormally high levels of centenarians. So those are people who are 100 years and older and very low uh, disease, like risk of diseases and illnesses. So there's one in Sardinia. There's actually one in Loma Linda, California, um, amongst the uh, Seventh-day Adventist uh, community out there. Uh, there's another one in Japan, and I think there's one in Turkey. There, there's a few of them. Um, but one of the things they use or have found is that in these blue zones, a reoccurring topic is their relationships. They really highly prize the community and the sense of community and gathering together and sharing what they have communally and really just improving their relationships overall and having close relationships. So I cannot stress this enough. Really work on your relationships. Uh, you know, if, if you're maybe a little bit more of an introvert or maybe you don't have as many friends, that's okay. It's not that you have to have a lot of friends, but rather just try to find a few people who you really feel that you could rely on and that they could rely on you as well because apparently it can lead to quite a longer life and also probably a happier life. So uh, working on that is huge. Okay, this brings us to our very last one, which is sleep better. Everybody needs to sleep. You know, everybody says, oh, I'm gonna sleep when I die. You know, I'm, I'm on the hustle, I'll sleep when I die, sleep when I die. Well. If that's your motto, you might be sleeping a little bit earlier than you expected, okay? Because come to find out, sleep is extremely important. It is a non-negotiable. So, good way to look at this. If you take sleep and you compared it to diet and exercise, and you were to take away one of those, 
for 24 hours, which one would affect you the most? So if you took away your diet, let's say you were on a really clean eating diet and you just decided to eat fast food all day. Okay, the next day, you're gonna feel probably bloated and you're gonna have bubble guts, you're gonna be all jacked up for a little bit, but you're gonna get over it. However, let's take exercise away. If you don't exercise for one day, yeah, it's, uh, you know, maybe not gonna feel as good that day or uh, maybe not feel as accomplished, but you're gonna be okay. If you go 24 hours without sleep, you are going to absolutely feel that, no doubt. 24 hours of sleep is, and, and regardless, okay, sorry, oh, caveat to this, that is 24 hours of sleep without being on any kind of substance, okay, because that can alter this, obviously, but just doing, you know, El Naturel 24 hours, that's going to be extremely hard. Uh, not, not impossible, but definitely difficult, and you're going to feel it. You're going to be so deprived that day. So, basically what happens when you sleep is your body goes through a serious whole body repair process. So actually, let's, uh, let's think about when we work out. When you work out, you actually leave, let's say the gym, if that's where you're working out at, you're going to leave the gym in worse shape than when you entered because you've, you know, ripped the muscles and, and you've, you've damaged the body technically. It is not until you sleep that you actually receive the benefits from that workout. So you have to sleep to receive those benefits, to rest and repair and fix those muscles and help them grow and become stronger. You have to sleep. You have to sleep to get those benefits. As well, your brain goes through a process where actually it shrinks at night slightly. Um, I think that's due to, I'm not really sure what process, but uh, it's, it's because it's cleaning itself, truly. So your brain cleanses itself of uh, many things, but one of them is an amyloid plaque, which is associated with Alzheimer's disease. And just through sleeping, your body will naturally help cleanse that out of your brain. Um, as well, sleeping helps with losing weight, burning fat. Actually, when you sleep, you do burn uh you, you do lose uh, some weight, whether that's fat or not, that depends. But back when I was in the wrestling days and cutting weight, man, getting a good night's rest, there was nothing that could beat it because you could wake up and drop at least a pound during the night. Now, granted, that might be some water weight and different things like that. But it is true. It really does help with not only losing weight in the short term, but also in the long term, because they have found that people who are deprived of sleep can actually wake up in a pre-diabetic state. That's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, on that note, poor sleep can also lead to weight gain, which we just covered, uh, dulled insulin sensitivity, which is like waking up pre-diabetic, and then lowered cognitive ability and even increased risk of cancer. Now, in a study published by the Institute of Medicine Committee on Military Nutrition Research, they found that a group of soldiers that were only allowed to sleep four hours per night had a 50% decrease in their accuracy on the firing range within only four days. So that's four days where they were having only four hours of sleep per, per night, and they had a decrease in their accuracy by 50%. 
Now, fast forwarding to the end of the study on day 20, they had, compared to day one, roughly an 85% decrease in their accuracy. That's crazy. If you're not getting that sleep, you are not performing at your top level. It's just, you just can't. Your body, your body needs the sleep. Needs to, needs to hit the hay. And that's it. Just those, those topics right there. Those are the pillars of health that are a great way to get you started on your health journey. Uh, like I said, these are a lot of topics that really across pretty much any platform, people are going to agree with. Uh, yes, obviously there is some things in there uh, depending on the diets that you do, that maybe they're not going, they're going to conflict a little bit. But for the most part, these are tested in true principles of health, and you really should be trying to uh, capitalize on all of these. So, I hope you found a lot of information helpful in this podcast. I hope you're able to share this with your friends, your family, and your loved ones, and uh, really just work on your health together as a whole community and. I'm so thankful for all of you for tuning in uh, to the show, and I really look forward to having you guys tune into future episodes. I've got a lot of really good episodes coming towards uh, coming at you guys, so please stay tuned, and thank you so much. I look forward to hearing and seeing from you soon. Bye.